Writing Matters with Dr. Troy Hicks is a writable podcast. Find more episodes and subscribe on your favorite platforms. And if you want to learn how to grow great writers, check out writable.com. In this episode of Writing Matters, we speak with Steven Anderson. Steven is a leader in the convergence of digital learning and leadership, a former teacher and instructional technology director, and a blogger and Twitter uh, user at Web 2.0 or Web 20, which is something we learn a little bit more about through the conversation. Let's hear more about the ways that Steven approaches educational technology, professional development, and his work as a writer. Welcome to Writing Matters. Today, we're speaking with Steven Anderson, who is a former teacher and director of instructional technology and now does independent consulting work through Web 2.0 Classroom. He's regularly traveling and consulting with a variety of school partners, and we're excited for the conversation today. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. And so you have had quite an interesting journey on your path as an educator. I'm wondering if you could tell us just a little bit about uh, what has brought you to the point you're at today as an educator and the kind of work you do. Yeah, definitely. So I uh, was a, a, cl- a middle school math and science teacher for 13 years. Um, I went back to school after, um, after that time to get my master's in instructional technology because I, I had a passion for um, how my students were using technology and realized that there were a lot of teachers who, uh, who needed help with that. So I went back and did that and eventually rose through the um, different uh, departments in my district to become director of instructional technology. And that led me to being, being able to present and having the opportunity to work with uh, other districts in my area and, and going out and, uh, and working with um, other districts around the country. And, and eventually it became to the point where I could go out and I could do that full time. And so now that's what I have the opportunity to do is work with districts all over the country, all over the, all over the world and uh, on, on everything from leadership to technology to uh, true uh, transformation and everything in between. And, and it's, a, it's a joy to be able to, uh, to work with, with educators every day. And I have to imagine that there, there is no regular every day for you. Something is different every day. But if we did look at a snapshot of your life across a week or a month, what, what might that look like in terms of the time you spend in schools and at conferences and through other outreach that you do with educators? Yeah, you're exactly right. There is, there is no typical day or a typical week. But, um, you know, there, there will be days where I, um, I'm directly working with school districts. So going in and um, depending on, you know, the reason that I'm there and talking to administrators, doing observations, doing walkthroughs, talking to them about um, anything from um, how they're implementing transformation and how they're uh, working towards the future to um, providing professional development for teachers. Um, I could be at a conference. I was just at a conference um, a couple days ago uh, talking about um, the effective use of technology and, and how school leaders and teachers can can better serve students through the use of technology. Um, I might be uh, spending time um, working on a, another book that I'm uh, that I'm writing. So I, I will try. I try always try to dedicate time to that. And then a lot of that time is spent on airplanes, going and going from one place to another. So 
the, the great thing about the work that I get to do is that I get to work with teachers and I get to work with educators and, and uh, the vast majority of them that I uh, am come across are, are very passionate about what they do and passionate about helping kids. And that always makes my work so much easier. Well, that's fantastic. And, and we might also find you on Twitter because as the founder of the EdChat hashtag, uh, my guess is that you're still pretty active there and among other places. Tell us a little bit about the role that Twitter plays in your professional life, maybe a little bit about the founding of the EdChat hashtag and how that community has grown over the years and, and what advice you might have for teachers as they're trying to build their own professional learning network. Yeah, Twitter has definitely played a huge impact on who I am as an educator from the from the very beginning. Um, I've had my my Web Twenty Classroom account for for nearly twelve years, and it, it all started out. I was working in a school district that was very rural in North Carolina, and uh, in order for me to best serve those teachers, uh, I created a blog and, and a Twitter account that that they could follow. That they could I could was very easy for me to post resources or links to different things, and uh, and they could follow those things. And I, I began to stretch beyond the boundaries of my district and following um, other people who were um, providing the providing information to me and helping me learn and grow and stretch my thinking. And um, it kind of it really my that's how my account began to grow. And uh, I had some opportunities. One of the first things that I ever uh, had had published was an article in School Library Journal about how media the media coordinators in my district were using Twitter to connect to each other. And, uh, and so that is what launched a lot of, of what I do on Twitter. And I ran across a, um, a gentleman named Tom Whitby and Tom is from, he's a retired English teacher from New York. And he, I like to, I like to say that Tom is an instigator and he likes to ask the questions that really get people thinking. And, um, so he and I had had some conversation back and forth. And, and one day he was, he had asked some questions on Twitter and, uh, and he uh, messaged me and said, hey, can you, have you got some time to help me answer some of these questions and, and jump in this conversation? I said, sure, that would be, that would be great. And, uh, and so we did. And, um, and afterwards, Tom and I talked and said, wouldn't it be great if we had a regular time where we could do this? Something that, you know, we, we, could, uh, we could schedule out and, and we could say, hey, at, at this day and at this time, we're going to talk about this thing. And at that, at that time, which, is, which has been almost 11 years to almost 12 years, We've the hashtag was becoming uh, a, was a new was a new idea, but was becoming um, a little more used on the on Twitter. And so we decided to, hey, let's create a hashtag so that we could so we could follow these conversations so that we could kind of organize them into a, a into a thread. And then let's pick a day and time. And uh, and, and what if we what if we instead of us, the moderators deciding what the question would be, we we would do a we would do a poll. And so. For the last 11 or 12 years, we've been every Sunday, we put out a, a poll of three questions um, that allows the, our community of, of Ed Chatters to select what they want to talk about. And, um, and then every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, or at, at Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, we, we have a conversation and we've done everything and run the gamut of any and all topics in education you can think of. Um, the validity of homework, the uh, access to research, classroom management, um, transformational use of technology the, the, we've covered the gamut of, of what can be, can be talked about. And, and what we're, what we started to see over the years is that a lot of these conversations has, have adapted and, um, 
but we're also seeing some of the same things that we saw all those years ago are still things that people want to talk about. And, you know, we'll regularly attract six, seven, eight hundred people who are who are tweeting and uh, a, a day. And, and now that hashtag has been recognized by Twitter as the official education hashtag. It's used by more people who identify themselves as educators than any other hashtag on Twitter. And it's gone beyond the chat. And a lot of a lot of chats came out of EdChat. So a lot of, of folks in um, in their local area, maybe it was a state, um, maybe it was a, a school district, maybe it was a content area or a, a specific topic. They all took our model of having a particular day and time and a and a, a, a hashtag to follow as their as a guide to create what is now a, a, a huge community of of educators who are using Twitter to connect and grow and learn from each other. And, and many of them can come back and trace their heritage straight back to EdChat. And so, you know, the, that has played a huge role, not only in, in my growth as an educator, but a lot of educators can, can say that, you know, they might not have understood what the point of was Twitter when they started, but they found that community of other educators to learn and grow from. And that has had a tremendous impact on their professional career. Well, first, Thank you for doing that, because I can say that Twitter has been phenomenal for me. And as I do workshops with teachers and teach pre-service teachers, I, I try to spread that same mantra. And so I'm going to go a little off script of what I would normally ask in this, this podcast. I wonder if you might help me. How do I help pre-service teachers who think Twitter is just kind of a, a cesspool of narcissism? <laughs> How, what's, what is the way that we um, can really hook them? I've tried doing like in class, like let's, let's emulate a Twitter chat together or as an option for an out-of-class assignment, you know, participate in a chat and reflect on it. Do you have any other advice for helping, um, especially young educators who you would think would be social media I hesitate to use the word savvy, but at least open to social media. They don't like Twitter is what I'm finding. And you know, and I know that there's great value in it. So do you, do you have a, a common way that you might approach someone who's a little bit skeptical about hopping onto Twitter? Yeah. And I've talked to, to folks in higher ed about this same exact, uh, same exact problem in that you have, you have young, young teachers who are learning their, who are learning their craft and and we know that you know the veterans who have been in it long enough know that Twitter is is can be a great way to connect. It's not the only way to connect. There are there are Facebook communities, there are lots of different ways to do it, but Twitter can be a very easy asynchronous way to connect and plug into a lot of information. But there's a there's a great hesitation because of uh, just as you said of the uh, perhaps the negatives that come with that. And so what what I've seen and in, in, in the conversations I've had with prof with professors who who work with pre-service teachers? Um, it, it seems like every um, every August and September, and every January and February, I'll get I'll, I'll get you know thirty or forty new followers from one location, and um, they and they're all these pre-service teachers, and it's uh, they're the the professors have suggested here are some people to follow for this for these particular things. So some professors will suggest to follow me for um, for the resources that I post, or they might suggest to follow my friend Shailen Farnsworth because she's really deep into literacy or my friend Kyle Pace because he does, uh, he does Google and he's a tech, he's a technology director or my friend Nick Provenzano, who is an, a former English teacher, but now does who incorporates makerspace and robotics and, um, and coding into his English class. And so, you know, there it's, it's, it's helpful to just to have 
a lot of those varied people. And that's when I was, when I worked with even my own teachers in my own district, I had, there was, there was that hesitation and it's, it's finding that niche. It's finding that place of those community of people where, Hey, they're sharing something that's really valuable to me that they, that, that I may not have to participate. And I, I, I wrote a blog post a, a while back about the power of the lurker and that, you know, the goal is to convert someone on social media from being a lurker to a contributor. But there's very, there's, there's a lot of power in the lurker because those who are lurking are learning. They're following people. They're, they're gathering resources. They're starting, it's starting to maybe pique their curiosity. They may be asking questions of themselves or um, they may be saying to themselves, you know, I thought differently about this one particular topic than what these people are saying. How do, what does that do to my own internal thinking? So there's a lot of power in lurking. It's the it's when we start to step into the contribution where we start to see a lot of hesitation, and that takes that takes a lot of time to get to get folks um, into into a group to feel that they ha- even have something to contribute. And so I, I like to I like to say you know follow follow people who um, who you can learn and grow from that you don't necessarily feel like you have to contribute to the conversation. Obviously, down the road we want you to contribute because you. As a as a as an educator and as a learner, have something to contribute, but but certainly lurk and, and find those people and um, yeah, I've I've seen some success with in class with in class chats and I've seen some success with just people with professors and and higher ed who say hey, here's a here's several people for you to follow, let's in two weeks come back and let's just share some of the things you've learned and then maybe in a couple more weeks hey. Um, do, put something out on a on a particular hashtag ed chat or or a um, a, a a content specific chat or or a an idea specific hashtag and what what do what were you able to find there or what did you see there or following a particular hashtag can be beneficial but that, that there can be a lot of that pressure to contribute and I like to start with just see what's out there see what people are saying and then let's come back face to face and talk about it and what did you learn and where do you think you want to go from here? Do you just want to continue to be a lurker or are there ways that you can contribute to the conversation? I definitely appreciate that idea of being recursive and iterative and, and helping them circle back on it because yeah, I know I, I introduced it a while ago. It's probably, you know, three, four weeks ago. So it's probably a good time to come back to it soon. And especially as I, I try to build my, course around the ISTE standards and thinking about, okay, well, now you, you became a learner. Now let's think about how you can become a collaborator. Now let's think about how you can become a facilitator. So that, that's good advice. And also, I do appreciate what you said. You, you know, even if you're lurking, you're learning and there are opportunities out there. And I'm trying to introduce them to other, you know, communities as well through like ISTE forums or through Participate and other platforms like that. So that's good. It's good to hear. So as you think then about um, educational technology, and maybe it's educational technologies that are specific to the teaching of writing, but maybe it's just educational technology more broadly, you probably get dozens of uh, messages a day and new product demos, and you see things come across your radar screen. What are some ways that you evaluate an educational technology? What are the ways that you make decisions about what is good and useful for learning? And uh, how might you recommend other educators um, evaluate educational technologies that they come in contact with? Yeah, it, it's, it, you're exactly right. I, I see and get 
you know, emails all the time from folks saying, Hey, I've got this new product. Will you check it out or, or go to a, go to a conference and, um, and get stopped on the floor to, to check something out. And, you know, the, the, I was in the conference I was just at, I, I mentioned this stat about you know, the, the U S ed tech industry is an $8 billion a year industry. There's a lot of money in ed tech. So there's a lot of new products that are coming in all of the time because there are people who want to take advantage of that, which means that for, for just the regular classroom teacher, or even if they're not even the, even if they're a decision maker, like a, a superintendent or a curriculum director or someone like that, there can be so much to wade through. And so I like, to, I, I like to think of a couple things. One, I like to think of the value to, to learning. So if, if, some, if a product's going to be presented to me, what value does it bring to enhance student, student understanding? Is it merely just a replacement of something that teachers are doing? Um, or does it really allow students to do something that they couldn't do before? Is it what, what I like to call truly transformational? Because I, I, teach, I teach administrators when they, when they do a walkthrough, when they're looking at technology, you know, think in your mind, if you took the technology away from that lesson, would that lesson still be possible without it? If it is in the same way, then that technology probably doesn't need to be used in that lesson. But if you take that technology away and it makes that learning not, not nearly impossible, but very, very difficult without the technology, then you, you might be looking at something transformational. So like in writing, if you've got a tool that really allows for something for a student to broaden and 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 really find who they are as a writer um, can really can really make a difference or is it just something that's replicating something that's already out there the other things i like to look at is you know is there research behind any of this did they did did whoever created these products did they actually consult research to find out you know what what instructional methods are being being used through the product to understand um, is what they're proposing is it backed by research does it show that that instructional methodology has a high, um, a high probability of, of, of growing students. I like to look at privacy and, and data privacy. So how, does the, how do those products protect student information? How do those products protect, uh, protect uh, uh, the, the privacy of their users? What, um, what data are they gathering? What data do they need to run? You know, a lot of schools will buy products and put them in all their schools and the, the the vendor will say, well, hey, we need full access to your entire student information system. But when you really get down to it, all they really need to know is the student name and their grade and their teacher. So, you know, while this, the vendor might say one thing, understanding what's really required in terms of, of data privacy and data gathering is really important. But then, I, you know, there, 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 depending on the product, there, there, there could be other factors as well. But the, the point that I try to get a, across to people is, you know, there's a lot of schools and districts ha- already have a lot of products. There are, there are on average nearly 50 products that are used um, just in ed tech in a district every day. That's a lot, you know, so there might be things that are that are, are already being used that we're just if we purchase something else or just replicating work or aren't really making our lives easier or isn't making the life of the teacher easier. But ultimately, it comes down to what is the student going to be able to do? That they couldn't do before. What is it? What is it going to be? What is it going to allow them to do something that's transformational? So again, like in terms of writing, like I want to see the ability for students to be able to share that writing publicly with the world. So is there a way for them to post to a blog? Is there a way for them to post to a website very easily? Because you know, like when I was in school, the writing that I did lived between myself and the teacher. Now, granted, at that time I was a terrible writer. I still today think I could be a whole lot better as a writer. 
But there, there's some of the things that I go into classrooms and I see students creating need to be shared with the world or could be shared with the world and they could have that wider audience. And when the students know that they're writing for a wider audience or they're creating for a wider audience, they inherently try harder and do better because they want to put their best foot forward like anything that we do when we're doing something that might, we might be, that might be considered a performance. So, you know, I, I'm looking for a lot of different things. And granted, I, I go out and I see, I see new technologies all the time, and some of it have no place near a classroom. Um, it's very, very rarely that there, are, uh, that there are things out there that are really going to truly transform either the way that students learn or the teachers teach. Um, and those are the real, those are the real gems when you come across them. Right. And to follow up on that, I, I, I think I have a question in here. I'll try to get to it, but you mentioned this idea of a transformational use, which I think echoes some of the other frameworks that teachers might be familiar with, like SAMR or the triple E. And I'm, I'm wondering, do you feel that that's a, is that an institutional structural problem with schooling that is preventing us from seeing transformational possibilities for technology? Is that a failure of imagination in a discipline? I hesitate to put that burden on any individual teacher's shoulders, but it could be an individual teacher. I mean, where, where do you look to try to pivot and make that transformation? How, how do you do that work? Yeah, I, I am a big fan of the TPAC framework. So TPAC is, there are three domains of knowledge that teachers have. They have technology knowledge, content knowledge, and pedagogical knowledge. And um, when, when technology is oftentimes is introduced into the classroom, the, those domains of knowledge get skewed and they, they tend to, teachers tend to forget about pedagogy. And, and so I place a lot of emphasis on you know, research-backed instructional methodology and pedagogy and how technology can support pedagogy. And, and what we see with a lot of professional development is the other way around. Con, you know, I, I see this, I see it at conferences, I see it in, in schools, I see it everywhere. Come to this session and learn about this technology. And then at the very end, oh, here are three ways you can use it in your classroom. Rather, let's have a conversation about what, you know, 21st century pedagogy needs to look like and then how can the tools of technology support that? So for example, you know, the research tells us formative assessment can play a huge, tremendous role in student growth. There are a lot of, edu there are a lot of, of ed tech tools out there that do formative assessment. So what, what is, what's immediately thought in a lot of, of people's minds is that, hey, I'm gonna use this tool for what I'm gonna call formative assessment and my kids are gonna do better. The problem is teachers don't understand that formative assessment is not a one-time or two-time thing. It's an ongoing process, and there are a lot of different components related to it, like looking at data and trends over time. Well, how many teachers use a, an EdTech product to do formative assessment that, um, that they then go back and look at the data over time? That's, to me, that's pedagogy, the, the understanding fully what an instructional methodology is and then knowing how, how can technology support that. Technology can't be the driver. And so in terms of who's, who's at fault, I think, I, you know, like you said, there's not, I don't think there's one person. I don't think it's a teacher fault, teacher's problem. I don't think it's a, um, I don't think it's a professional development problem. I think it's a systemic problem that we have just because of this rush to put technology in the classroom. And rightly so, there should be the use of technology and learning. Certainly, it enhances what students are able to do, but we have to take a step back 
and have to say, what is the impact on pedagogy going to be if I give every student a laptop? Very few districts did that when they, when they instituted one-to-one. And the research tells us that one-to-one programs don't really enhance student understanding. It's the instructional methods that are used in conjunction with one-to-one that show student growth. So we have to take a step back. Everybody, technology directors, superintendents, higher ed, people like me, we have to always take a step back and say, how does what, when we're talking about technology, what are the pedagogical implications of what we're doing and how are we enhancing pedagogy? And how are we ensuring that what we're doing has, is going to do and take us and everything that we can to help students grow? Not, hey, I've got this lab, this Chromebook I need to use today. What can I do with it? Yeah, I really appreciate you saying that. I, you know, again, connecting to the ISTE standards and this idea that, you know, students need to co-learn. One of the tasks I've assigned to my pre-service teachers for the next couple of weeks is that they need to go onto Common Sense Media or ISTE's um, EdTech Advisor and pick a tool that they don't know anything about, and, but they have to work on it together with a partner. Like they literally need to be sitting shoulder to shoulder in the same room, you know, not even a virtual room this time. Like I want you sitting next to each other <laughs> and talking about it and play with it for half an hour. And then at the end of half an hour, record a screencast together. And they're like, well, why do we have to do that? And I think it's exactly what you were just saying. It's that you know, I want you to be not just enamored with the shiny tool, but to actually have a conversation about what it means for teaching and learning. And uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> but I, I, I hope that uh, maybe I'm trying to emulate some of the teacher education pedagogical practices that you're, you're getting at there. So I'm going to pivot here slightly and ask you a bit about your writing. You, you mentioned a little bit about the role that writing plays for you. And you have, you've mentioned one of your co-authors, Tom Whitby. Uh, you have a few books that are out there, so maybe you could tell us about some of your work, maybe the work that you're in the process of writing as we speak, and then um, we'll, we'll hear a little bit more about the way that writing uh, fits into your professional life. So tell us about your books and about yourself as a writer. Yeah, I, I, when I started my journey in education, I never thought that um, I would become an author. I never thought it was um, in the realm of possibility for me, and, and you know, I've, I've try to read everything I can um, from from well-known education authors and never never really saw myself doing that. And, and then I had this opportunity to to publish my first book with Tom called The Relevant Educator from um, an idea that we had and, and from a presentation that he and I had done. And um, it that that really kind of lit a spark in 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 me to 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 write and um, and then I was able to publish my next one which was which is called The Tech Savvy Administrator and then another one called Con- Content curation, um, and I'm currently writing another one that's um, that's not titled. Um, that's a bit more longer form. So the the first ones were were kind of short forms, and that you know uh, several years ago, short forms were popular. They're easily consumable, and um, and teachers really like them. But um, I found that I I have brevity is not my specialty at all, which makes my ed- which drives my editors crazy. But <laughs> I, I like to I like to just I like to write in a very conversational style. Like I'm sitting next to the the person reading the book, and we're just having a conversation. And um, so I'm writing a book right now about that transformational use of technology. But writing has played a tremendous role in who I am um, as an educator. Reflection is is a big part of of what I do every single day. Whenever I'm uh, I'm presenting or I'm, you know, working or do whatever I'm doing. I'm, I'm constantly thinking about how can I improve? What can I do better? And a lot of that stems from 
the writing that I do and taking time to write every day, whether it's on my book or just ref my reflective journal and, and just having that conversation, that internal conversation with myself has really helped me hone who I am as a writer. Um, I still have a long way to go. For me, it's a constant process of trying to find the right voice for what I'm trying to say. But, you know, my, I, I tell people, they ask me all the time, how do I get a book published? Well, you just write, you write what you love and you write about, you know, what you, um, what you're passionate about. And, and naturally, you know, that, that passion comes through and what, and what you, and what you write and what people read. So for me, I, I try to write every single day and, and it's, it's definitely made me a more reflective educator. Um, still yet to be seen, whether it's made me a better educator, I'm still working on that every single day, but certainly writing is a cornerstone of who I am as an educator. Well, I, I would have to say that with uh, 160K followers on Twitter, people probably think you're saying some pretty important things <laughs> with your writing. So that's pretty impressive. And yeah, I can certainly um, appreciate as a writer too, you have to put your fingers on the keyboard every day and it has to be more than just an email, right? It's got to be something that's uh, going to help fuel your fire and help you reflect and think forward and all those types of things. So certainly can appreciate to your point that the short form is helpful, you know, whether that is a tweet or a blog post or a 50 to hundred page book, but having that opportunity to fully express your ideas and make a, a broader argument about your vision in a, a longer form book makes good sense as well. So as you think about your role and where you're at and what you aim to do, What's on the horizon? What, what is it that you're, you're looking forward to doing as an educator with other educators, for other educators? Um, what do the next uh, few months or year hold for you? Yeah, so I, I've got some, some interesting things coming up for, for me. I'm, I do, uh, I'm getting ready to travel to um, the Middle East to go to, uh, to Qatar and to a, a conference there um, called the World Innovation Summit on Education. And um, I've been I've been going to this conference for a number of years and um, specifically um, talking about and, and learning about um, girls education around the world. And I have two daughters and it's um, it's quickly becoming a very a passion area for me to help figure out what I can do as an educator, help others um, really drive education specifically for girls in other parts of the world. And so that's that's definitely a passion project of mine. So I'm really looking forward to going there and to. To having those conversations, and uh, I, you know, I've got, I've still got several conferences coming up, and um, I'm looking forward to doing some learning, uh, uh, doing some learning of my own. I always try to um, seek out opportunities. I was able to do a, a week long workshop with John Hattie earlier this year, which was, which was really beneficial for me as a learner. So not only do I uh, do, not only am I going out and, and working with schools and districts, which I'm doing every day, and going to conferences and presenting. Um, I'm also trying to maintain myself as a learner so that I know what's happening, so that I know what what directions I need to be going in. So, you know, hopefully within a year from now that my book, my newest book is published and I'll have lots of opportunities to talk about that. But my, my I, I try to, to think about, you know, who, who do I, how can I continue to learn and push myself as a learner um, so that in the, the information that I present and that I talk to, to educators about is, um, is, is, it, it, it makes sense to them. And, and it's not coming, you know, not coming from, uh, it's not too abstract for them. So I, I'm continuously growing as that learner and, uh, and, and 
doing that every single day. I can certainly appreciate and understand that. And congratulations on your efforts and your ability to travel and, and bring the voice that we need to, to support young women in education around the world. I certainly appreciate that. And speaking of learning, uh, I, I think I might have to correct a mistake that I made at the top of the show where I said Web 2.0, and then I heard you say Web 20. Um, <laughs> anything you'd want to help, help me or our listeners understand about that? Uh, I, yeah, I, no, it's it, 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 my, my website, my blog was originally called the Web 2.0 Connected Classroom. And on Twitter, I, you know, there's no, there's no um, symbols in Twitter names. So I was just web 20. And so it's it, either one is either one is fine. It's, it's web 20 or web 2.0, either one. Is fine. Oh, okay. Here, here I thought coming up to 2020, there was something else I might need to know or something. <laughs> I, I might need to think about that. That's where, a great idea. Where, where, where are, are we in web 3.0 now? 4.0? Who knows where we're at? So. Well, Stephen, I really appreciate the time and uh, appreciate the work that you do with and for educators and on behalf of students. And it's been a real pleasure talking with you today. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks. Writing Matters with Dr. Troy Hicks is a writable podcast. Discover more episodes and subscribe on your favorite streaming platforms or check out filmed episodes on YouTube. And if you want to learn how to grow great writers, check out writable.com.